Hey everyone, welcome to episode 67 of Something Worth Thinking About. In today's episode, we want to continue to explore our theme for the summer of our fellowship with God. And in today's episode, we specifically want to hear some profound words about the gospel reality of our lives, a reality that is true whether or not we have discovered it, whether or not we daily affirm it or not. It is true. And so we need to hear it and we need to know it. And that truth is that reality is Christ Jesus is Lord of both the living and the dead. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And life and in death, we are Christ. So no matter what, we live and die to the Lord. This is an exciting thought, and at the same time, it is a sobering and convicting thought that is to guide and shape our lives in such a way that it moves us beyond simply an idea to become a reality that we fully embrace and pursue in everything that we are and everything that we do. We live to the Lord who lived and died and now lives again for us. Our text for today will be Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. But before we read that, I want to remind us of the way the Apostle Paul writes his letters to the churches, the way he wrote to Christians so long ago. One of the things that I really love about reading through the writings of the Apostle Paul is the way he always points us in the direction of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Whether talking about sexual purity, marriage, giving um, our money for the sake of others, or settling disputes among Christians, Paul rarely pointed to a commandment in the Old Testament and says, you have to do this because this is what's written. This is what the Lord has commanded. Rather, what Paul typically did was he pointed to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Paul pointed to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Paul pointed to the future coming of Jesus in glory. In short, Paul pointed to the gospel of Jesus and said that there are important implications for how we are to live our lives today in light of the reality of the crucified and risen Lord. So in Romans 14 and 15, Paul is giving Christians of his day some direct, explicit, and practical instructions on how we are supposed and how we ought to interact with one another when we have strong differences of opinions about what we ought to do or what we ought not to do. And I say strong differences of opinions. We are convinced, absolutely convinced that something is wrong, so we shouldn't be doing that. Or on the other side of that coin, we are convinced that there's nothing wrong with this and that God is fully pleased for us to do these things. And when we find ourselves at odds with one another, what are we supposed to do? Well, Paul begins his section of this letter in Romans 
14 uh, by simply saying this, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And let me take just a moment here to make sure we're not missing the point in reading here what isn't here. When Paul says someone is weak in the faith, he does not mean that they're weak in their faith that Jesus is Lord. He does not mean they're weak in their faith in God's promises that God will, can, and is fully capable of fulfilling every promise that he has made to us, or weak in the faith to believe that what God has revealed to us in Scripture is, in fact, the very Word of God. It's not weakness of faith in anything about what we believe about God. This weak in faith, when you read through Romans 14, has to do with my belief in whatever the issue is. And so Paul will describe someone who is weak in faith uh, in, this, in these matters as someone who is not convinced that it's okay, for example, to eat meat or to drink wine or to celebrate or observe a certain day as a holy day or a special day to the Lord. Anyone who is not able to do those things is weak in faith in that matter. But he's not saying that someone is weak in faith in the sense of their faith in the Lord. So let's not get confused in this matter. When he says they're weak in the faith, it's not an insult. He's just simply saying that person is not able to do whatever this is. It would be a violation of their faith, their conviction uh, to do so. So Paul is saying, accept the person whose faith is weak, except the person who doesn't believe it's okay to do something uh, without quarreling with that person over the matter. They think it's wrong. You think it's okay, but let's not fight about this. Now, some of our English translations here in Romans 14 verse 1 will render this phrase, uh, disputable matters, as simply opinions. I will leave it to you to read through uh, all of Romans 14 and all of the kind of things that Paul explores here, carefully read through this text and think about the kind of things that Paul might include if he were writing this church or writing this letter to the church today, keeping in mind that there were some things that for the Apostle Paul uh, that he would make non-negotiable. For example, Paul refused. He absolutely refused to allow the Jews, the Christian Jews of his day, to demand Gentiles to be circumcised in order to become Christians. Paul believed that this violated the gospel of Jesus. He would not compromise in this matter. He would not say, let's just agree to disagree. Paul was convicted and convinced there must be one church. There cannot be a church for the Jews and a church for the Gentiles. Christ is not divided. We are all one in the Lord. And so we must understand that there are some things about which there cannot be any compromise. We cannot negotiate. And as we look at the many issues and questions in the life of the church today, I submit to you that it requires wisdom and discretion for us to wrestle with the questions and controversies of our age and sort out which of these are gospel issues versus merely disputable matters of opinion. I will not attempt to sort that out for us here. The list is way 
too long, but I simply want to remind us as we prepare ourselves to hear what Paul wrote to the church long ago, that Satan is always glad, thrilled to incite God's people to fight foolish battles with our brothers and sisters in Christ that distract us from the battles we ought to be fighting. As we are instructed in Ephesians chapter 6, we are to take up the full armor of God and fight the good fight of the faith against our real and true enemies in the spiritual realms. But whenever we find ourselves looking in each other's eye, convinced that we are right and our brother, our sister is wrong, we need to listen carefully to what the Apostle Paul wrote so long ago. And this is the Word of God in Romans chapter 14, verse 7 through 9. I'm going to read, first of all, from the New International Version. Hear the Word of God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. These are profound words that we need to take to heart. We belong to the Lord truly and really, completely and fully, we are Christ's. In life and in death, we are His. So whether we live or die, we do so for or to the Lord. So how is this so? This again is the essence of the gospel. Jesus lived, died, and lives again so that He might be Lord of both the living and the dead. And so when we wrestle with disputable matters and as we look at every aspect of our lives, we must always remind ourselves that this is the reality, that just as I belong to the Lord, so does my brother and sister in Christ. And as those who belong to the Lord, we do not simply choose our own way and do whatever we please. We live for the Lord. We live to the Lord. We cannot escape this reality and its implications. We, we belong to the Lord. We are His. We belong to the fellowship of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even as we explore and debate the difficult issues and questions of our age, we must constantly be asking ourselves the honest question, the personal question, am I living for the Lord? Am I living to the Lord in everything that I do? It's too easy to get caught up in the controversies of our age and never come to grips with what this truth means for me personally. Because so long as we're caught up in fighting 
disputable matters, we can make these disputable matters more important than the gospel matters that we're ignoring in our lives. If I believe everything that I say that I believe about Christ and everything that this means about who I am, my new creation identity in Christ who now lives in me, that I was crucified with him, I no longer live, he now lives in me. If I believe all of this is true, am I living to the Lord? Am I living for the Lord in everything and in every way that matters? Am I living for myself? Am I living for someone else? Or am I truly living for and to the Lord? I believe that this is something worth thinking about and praying about today. Let's hear these profound words one more time from the New Revised Standard Version. Listen carefully and soak it in. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living.